to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founders of Youth to the People, Greg Gonzalez and Joe Cloyes. Cousins Greg and Joe quite literally grew up in the beauty industry. What began as a hair salon owned by their grandparents grew to a line of professional aesthetics products that their grandmother manufactured for and distributed to spas and salons right across the US. Greg and Joe grew up in the brand's factory, playing amongst the packaging peanuts as children before coming to work for the family business full-time upon graduating from college. As their shared interest in the beauty industry grew, so too did their fascination with the wellness space and in particular, the growing superfood movement. Youth to the People began as an idea, a kale-based superfood cleanser, and was built out to a sustainably produced vegan three-step skincare routine created entirely in-house. Youth to the People launched in 2015, and by December of 2021, L'Oreal finalised their acquisition of the brand as it clocked up a reported $50 million US dollars in sales for the year. In this conversation, Greg and Joe share the incredible story behind their grandmother's brand and how she recovered after being left with nothing, why they felt it was worth taking an initial financial hit in pursuit of creating a sustainable company, and what the L'Oreal brand acquisition will and won't change for youth to the people. Your grandparents opened a number of hair salons in the 1960s and 70s, and I know that your grandmother founded a skincare line in 1979, so I imagine those little tidbits might play a part in your answers to this one. But Greg, Joe, what are your very earliest memories of beauty? Oh, that's a good one. Well, it, yeah, it goes it goes extremely far back for, for us, uh, probably as far as we can remember running around. I mean, so there's like the, the, the goofy moments from when we were really young and then the first serious ones. But honestly, one of our very first memories was that I can remember is jumping into the packaging peanuts from the warehouse where they would, you know, put all the products together before they would ship them out. And Joe and I would, would run around the office and find ourselves leaping into the, the pile of packaging peanuts. That's our, maybe my very first memory. I don't even know if we were four or five years old or. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of time <laughs> hiding in those things. Um, yeah, I can remember sample, uh, like labeling the samples. We thought that was so fun because it was just a huge roll of stickers. And so you'd get to put them all and that was a game. And then, you know, then slowly trying out stuff as we got older, they were like, hey, we need you for this class. We just need a body for them to practice on. Um, so, the, yeah, that's kind of some of the early memories. The other memories would too would be Greg's mom, who's my aunt, uh, had her own hair salon with another one of our aunts called Red Hot mm-hmm. Hair. So when we were little kids, we would we would be there sometimes. Like I was getting haircuts, but also just hey, you get out of school early, we'd go there together and you know just just sweeping the floors, things like that. But just being around, it was always a fun environment. So I think one of the cool things about the I was thinking just Joe when you were mentioning the us doing the shipping and the labeling, it's like the first experience of reading product names and like looking at different colors of different categories that fit into different places. And even though you don't realize what you're looking at, 
later on you realize like, oh, that was a hydrating serum and it was called this. And so it's kind of an interesting way to even learn that. That brand, Images of Success, is that what the brand was? Am I right in saying there's a bit of a story around how that brand came to be? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Fairly, um, you know, it's like, it's kind of our, our, it's really our grandmother's story, Images of Success. It's uh, started with her and our grandfather who, who had a hair salon, first in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is on the east coast of California, the eastern side of the United States, mm-hmm. and then, then moving out to the west coast here in California. Um, to a city called Danville, which is in the Bay Area near San Francisco, um, and, and setting up their hair salon here, building that out from one chair to two chairs to five chairs and building a very successful hair salon. Um, this was in the late 60s, early 70s. Our grandmother really got into aesthetics um, and, and loved skincare and started to practice facials at the salon and start to build out her spa business and then realized, hey, I can help other you know, cosmetologists do facials. So she started distributing that skincare line that she was importing to other salons and spots and became their main distributor for the US. Um, and with that, that's really, she really found her calling of not only making skincare, but also like helping build other salons and spas. And, and our grandfather, as this was all building, our grandfather left her. He basically took everything. Oh, um, stunning. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. she, with that, lost the distribution as well because there was no longer a man in the business to sign on the distribution contracts. Oh, my God. This is the 70s. Yeah. So she took what she had left, um, which she had her nice car she had finally purchased. Uh, she flew to Germany, learned from some of the best cosmetic formulators out there, came back to California, built her line and launched it. And it was really about, you know, botanically science-driven products. But it was also an images of success. The story there is it was her recognition that she wanted to, she was an entrepreneur and she wanted to help other women be entrepreneurs and be successful entrepreneurs through the beauty industry and through the, you know, practicing the art of aesthetics and, and doing facials. Um, and she knew how to not only do a great facial, but how to build a successful small business. And so she was like, that was really where, that was what in, images of success was all about, um, you know, more than just product. Wow. Okay. So you both have clearly spent a lot of your upbringing working for the brand. I know you spent your summers there. Greg, I understand that your mom is an esthetician herself, but when you were both quite young, was beauty ever part of the picture? What did you think you might grow up to be? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, it was baseball for me and music. Those were my two things. So I, I was obsessive on baseball and, uh, first piano and then later on just different instruments and getting into bands um, and did that through college and was fortunate enough to be drafted by the New York Mets. So I actually went and did that and then was injured. um, And so I retired and came back to the Bay area. So for me, that's when um, I'd already always been in, you know, more drawn to the creative side of things, but that's when I started to start to work for the, family business and closer with my mom who was running all of marketing and branding creative and started to get into that side of things. Uh, and that's where I really fell in love with that. So it was definitely a journey, uh, along the way for myself, but, uh, landed in a, landed in the right place. Joe, you're up. Um, you know, uh, you know, again, grew up around it, but then, uh, left for school, uh, you know, went through college in San Diego, really love that. Um, 
learned a lot, mainly focused in business. Um, I actually also focused in public administration and was like bouncing back and forth. Um, but ultimately got out of school, um, started doing, uh, first worked in the golf industry for a little while. Cause that's, that's my kind of passion in sports outside of, uh, beauty. Um, but ultimately chose to get into sales, um, worked for a couple of really cool companies, learned a lot. And then, but quickly realized I hated having a boss. Um, mm. and so the easiest way to be like, how, what can I start on my own? What am I going to do is let's go work for the family business. I'd gone to some of the aesthetics and spa shows over the years just to help out. We always did it as a family and I loved them. So I was like, I'm going to step here and, and start doing that. And just very quickly, um, uh, working there full time, realized how much I knew about the industry just from growing up around it. And then applying some of you know my other experiences was able to just have a lot of fun and help build the family business. Um, which then ultimately Greg and I grew up really close. So then he was working there. I would call it like, let's work there. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then just, you know, there we go. The, the, you know, the kind of rock starts tumbling down the hill and you go from there. I've got a couple of questions about this time when you were working for the family business full time. Firstly, what were each of your respective roles within the company? Ooh. Well, we kind of went on a journey there because like, which was kind of really neat because we learned all kinds of different things. But for me, I, I spent time even like doing sales on the phone. We went to trade shows. I uh, did that side of it. I spent some time in the warehouse and then eventually really focused on brand and marketing. And that's then I did that for a number of years, just naming products, launching campaigns, working on the website, the emotive side of the brand, um, but was able to touch a bunch of things along the journey. Um, and Joe, I mean, I think you were more focused, but sort of like started and then grew as well and ended up. Yeah. So, but starting in sales though, just from like my sales yeah. background. So I started in the sales and then slowly kind of operations took over some of the operations and, and I always approached it from a sales first perspective, but took over operations to help sales get better. And then started to take over finance and other things that I just naturally had an inkling towards and kind of as Greg and I were continuing to build it, it kind of started to split out that way where, and then we both loved product. Like it's always been like, we both love product. We both love like the, we both love to build things. Um, and so I, like our approach is at the same time, we want to build great products and great brands. And we just, we kind of, I, I'm seeing it from like sales, finance, operation, administration. He's seeing it from like creative, you know, art marketing and like that, that vision of where we're going. So just a good, good partnering, but we, you know, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of like, of those roots come from working at our family business together for so long and helped us kind of identify that and, and get set up. You've given me a really nice segue because another question <laughs> on that time, thank you very much. Um, were there any lessons that you learned during that time when your careers in skincare were really in their infancy that you find you're still applying to your work now? I mean, one that comes off the top of my head is, you know, the communication and relationship with the community and just listening to people. And like, when I think of all the time we spent at trade shows, speaking with people, you learn so much, the questions that come up, the simple questions, the thing that you've worked on for months that seems complex. And you have one conversation with how somebody views something that's not so close to it or what they, what people might be looking for in a product. Um, so I think like early on, no matter what we were doing inside of the business, having that connection to people, has always been something that's been at the forefront of our thinking. So at what point did you start thinking about starting your own business and what idea came first? Was it this specific youth to the people superfoods idea or was it a very top level let's start something of our own? 
So, you know, it was like, a, it was a combination of like, we wanted to, it was like, we started out actually trying to figure out how to bring our family's business retail, yeah. you know, like that first and foremost. Um, and we're like, man, it's really tough to do that. There's like this family DNA, this family story, this, it's tough to like package into this really small little, when it's such a professionally driven brand. Um, so then it led to the, we're like, we got to start something new. Sometimes they were, you know, inspired by our superfoods and thinking about kale every day and how we eat it and drink it. And it just was like, okay, this is it. Like we're, we're going to start to bring like, how do we do a kale cleanser? That'd be so cool. And like, boom, let's do that. And then, but we never wanted to be just about kale. We want to be something bigger and it just, it evolved. Um, a lot of little inspiration points along the way, but we were like, okay, we got to start a new brand, um, which was really exciting for us. Was there any one specific aha moment? What was the gap in the market that you were looking to fill? Well, I think there's two things like specifically we were really excited of like just the energy we were feeling from the wellness aspect of like ingredients and for us specifically superfood extracts, we were, you know, using them in our diet, seeing them everywhere, really excited, just thinking about the benefits of that, that we could bring to those topically. So that was part of it. I mean, sometimes an ingredient like that really starts to inspire you. But I think the other side of it was how we were looking at the world and thinking about doing something from the ground up that was had a little bit of a different approach that was really conscious and responsible at every step of the way. And even though that's how the DNA of our brand that our grandma started in many ways, it's easier to do when you're starting it super tiny. So just like everything, like what's the packaging, uh, all the little details that go into the formula. So I think it was like those, the marriage of those, the timing of those two things coming together, specific ingredient inspo, and then realizing there's like a moment in time uh, that we can start something with a new way of thinking. You talk about being inspired by the ingredient. This is a broad question, but why kale? What is it about kale? What can it do for the skin? Um, you know, when we first approached it, we're like, why kale exactly that, right? Why is kale good for the skin? But you know, there's, there's so many proven studies out there that show like antioxidants, phytonutrients is delivered the right way are so good for your skin. These vitamins are so good for your skin. So <clears throat> instead of, there's some really good forms of vitamins that you can get from the cosmetic science industry, but also like taking extracts um, and extracting the right way for a kale, for a spinach, you can really get, you can harness these super, these plants that are nutrient dense and harness those vitamins and antioxidants right into an ingredient and put it into your product. Um, and you know, they're just, it's like a newer, more, uh, more improved version of something that's proven to be really great for your skin. Um, and it's something that we were like, Hey, how do we, you know, we always want to be lead in, make the best, use the best possible ingredients on earth on the earth for skin. And it was like, kale was just one of those ingredients we knew was, was great for you to eat and drink. So how do you apply it topically and get those same benefits? So you had the idea what came next. It's one thing to have the idea, but then another thing entirely to physically bring that idea to market. So what did that process look like and how long did it take you mm -hmm. to see it from a concept through to it being available to consumers? So, yeah, so it's from the ingredient then turned into focus on the cleanser. So that was mm -hmm. like the next step. We're like, we want to do this in a cleanser. Um, so we started to think about what that would, what we wanted that to be. Okay. We want it to be a gel cleanser, but we don't want it to be too stripping. So we worked on the formula there. Um, once we realized how good that product was, then that led us to wait a second. 
because we didn't know where it was going to live. We're like, is this going to live in our professional line? Maybe this is just the most amazing new cleanser, even though we were like, we know we want to start something new. So then we're like, okay, this is it. All right, well, let's build that out into a three product step, simple, like focused routine. So we started to work on a cleanser, serum and moisturizer that all work together um, that had these, you know, kind of pro grade esthetician level uh, formulas, but like really easy to, to digest in terms of like, if you walked up, you're like, okay, these are the three products in, in the routine. Um, from there, we started to work on uh, the whole concept, the brand, the website, we did it completely in-house. Like, wow. so uh, yeah, like um, with an intern, uh, myself, Joe, my mom uh, and Lori, and just like built it. And, and uh, it took about two years, like formula, website brand the whole well, formula brand website everything ready to go so you launched with those three products cleanser serum moisturizer obviously those are they kind of do make up the pillars of a good skincare routine so it makes sense to launch with the three but what was it about those specific formulas that made you say okay yes this is a really strong line to launch with we were looking at it as like those three What's like a very simple way for people to get into skincare? We're used to this super advanced, like massive skincare line that's from our family with super customized by skin type, skin concerns, skin treatments. And, and, but at the core, it's like every good skincare routine, first and foremost, you need a really great cleanser. Um, but past to just cleanser, like how do you get just a good solid serum, a good solid moisturizer into your routine and looking at a lot of our friends, you know, and our friends and family that maybe weren't like, Hey, I'm going to use all these products are learning from our, our past 10 years of like, walking around the beauty shows versus walking around talking to people day in and day out, like understanding that difference and being like, okay, if we can just build this really simple routine for people to get into and start with, that will really be like a great entry point for them. Something that's so simple and easy to understand, but yet is really high quality. I think sometimes very simple routines can be assumed that it's not as high quality. And so how do we like, you know, this is, this will compete with any of your, any doctor or high end formulated product you see but it's a, a much more straightforward approach to how to get into skincare. And that was, that was a really excited us. Um, and, and it, when it worked well, it caught the eye of our, our community right out of the way, right out of the gate. And I think everyone that bought the line knew what they were getting into. So what was the response like on launch? It's a wonderful thing to be the first to bring something to market, but then there's a huge education piece that needs to come along with that. So we're, customers and retailers immediately receptive or did it take time to educate them on what you were doing? I mean, I think in the overall journey of it, it was relatively fast. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, when we launched so as, as small as we were, like we didn't have a big budget, we didn't have like mm. huge marketing dollars that we rolled out to really start testing things and, and putting it out there. It was really though, in the organic days of Instagram, and so we started doing what we could uh, and just gifting people that we thought would be interested in it. So it was like the early like influencer seeding before there were strat like the strategies that exist in the world today, just really trying to get it in people's hands. And it didn't matter how many followers you had, you just, did you, did you, did we think you maybe believed in or lived the life of what youth of people was? Um, and uh, we, we gifted it and people, people, were drawn to it. They shared it. And I think that's when we kind of knew we saw just like a lot of organic sharing. It's like, wow, the cleanser, again, the cleanser, the moisturizer, all three products. And so that's when we were like, okay, people really are getting what we're doing. Um, 
and sort of built through that first year. And I think it was kind of towards the end of the first year where some retailers started to, to become interested. We have talked about the challenges of working with and stabilizing natural ingredients on this podcast before, but what can you share on the challenges of making these superfood ingredients work topically? Well, you know, it depends on the superfood we're getting into because sometimes they're just, they haven't been used in skincare before. So it's like mm-hmm. working with our extractors and our ingredient suppliers, to like figure out the way to extract it the right way where again, it's good for the skin. It's effective on the skin. It's safe for the skin. Um, and so that can just be a process. It depends on the ingredient, depends its history. Um, some of the superfoods we work with have actually been used in cosmetic science and there's a, some really cool tech, even like our most re- one of our most recent launches, our, our, our Oasis serum has a really cool cactus elixir, we call it, but it's a cactus stem like extract. That's really, really cool. But, and cactus is an ingredient, different types of cactus have been used in skincare for centuries, even just like using the, the juice from it. But now they're like, they're, they're really identifying key, um, key piece, key pieces to the plant that can be like, you know, extract that out into an ingredient. So <clears throat> it's sort of both. Um, but again, it's looking at how does it ultimately affect the skin and what it does. You've built this reputation for taking these really quite buzzy ingredients and then working them into topical skincare before anyone else does. That in mind, it would be remiss of me not to ask, what ingredients do you think we are going to be seeing more of? Oh, that's a really good question. When does this go I- live? This, uh, in in a week how much can you tell me okay, um no i mean that's definitely something we we love i mean we we love uh the innovation around the industry like we just love the space we love seeing what other people are launching um getting really excited about an ingredient whether that's from nature um whether that's from something from science that's made in a lab synthetically um is it a stem is it something upcycled like we're we're, we're definitely always chasing what's happening um, because that's the excitement and we want to be able to bring our community just the newest things that are happening in the space. I think we we're, we're excited. Uh, I mean, we'll always be looking at like how we harness plants and in in like the most potent plants. And, but right now we're, we're definitely having a science moment. We see like a lot of things happening in peptides while we mm. launched our triple peptide Oasis serum. Um, there's, so we see some real innovation in the way that like skin mimicking peptides and things like that are happening. So, um, yeah, it's a fun time. Yeah. Another point of difference is the emphasis that you've placed on sustainability. Now I understand that you've both had an understanding of the importance of sustainability for a long time, particularly given that you, Joe, once worked for a company that recycled styrofoam, if my research serves me. (laughs) Correct. Yes. So was that always going to be a non-negotiable for you from the very beginning? Yeah. You know, yes, it was. It was something that we knew we could, there there was no reason not to, um, knowing that we could approach it that way. And um, also knowing that we would need to get better at it every single year Mm -hmm. as a brand and as an organization, Uh, there's no perfect, you know, there's no brands perfect at it. We have a long way to go. but yeah, it's like, there's some simple things you can do. And if you do it from the ground up, it makes life a lot easier. Um, for, so you don't have to transition away. Um, now, as we're getting bigger, it's becoming more complex, right? We have bigger supplies. There's some stuff that's easier and there's some stuff that's harder. Um, so, but it was definitely always a part of the brand, you know, DNA and DNA and philosophy of just like, how can we simplify our approach? How can we 
beyond just using glass packaging, like, do we have to do these big boxes? Like we took the, we just took the hit and then, you know, when we launched in 2015, it was still the time where a lot of packaging was like, there was multiple layers of it to every product. So every product looked this big and we were like, okay, we're already in glass, which looks smaller. And we're just going to go one box, not three boxes and just go with that. And, and, and so those simple steps helped us, I think, help with our community. And then simultaneously it helps, it's helped how everyone's getting there. And now there's so many new advancements that we need to step into and do better at. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, always a part of our plan. While, while we're on that brand DNA, what can you tell me about the youth to the people giving arm and the sustainability initiatives that you have in place currently? Yeah. So we have, we have our youth to the people, our, get our funds. Mm. We have three funds, um, good to the future, um, or to the future. Oh, sorry. Good to the future. <laughs> I can find <laughs> that all there. To the future, um, which is our really for, um, you know, how we're looking at the future world and what that means for youth, right? We're used to the people. And so really just how that, how that comes about, um, our to the planet fund, which is exactly that sustainability. And so that's our to the planet fund. It's not so much like, how are we as a brand acting sustainable, but more working with different nonprofits that are, that are impacting, you know, the, the world, the climate, especially it's really around climate and climate justice. So a lot of things we see, um, you know, these days, especially as, as you, um, look at what's going on in the world, like climate just, you know, climate justice is, is really like very much tied to, to human rights. Um, and so that, that, that marriage of those two, so organizations that are doing great things there and then, um, our to the people fund, which really is human rights in that. So they all, all three of our funds really merge together. Um, but we put, we look at different organizations that are at the local level working in, we're usually a lot smaller organizations that we're working with that we're donating to, um, because of the impact they have in their local community. And that for us is where we think change can really happen. Um, there's some massive, you know, nonprofits out there that are doing amazing work too. But for us, we've always liked working with those local communities and seeing how we can impact and work with them together. I love that. The line has, of course, grown well beyond those initial three products. Rewinding a little bit, how does the product development process work for you? Does it start with an ingredient that you're interested in? Does it start with quite a broad idea or something quite specific? Do you work off consumer demand? Are you constantly thinking about what comes next? How does the process pan out? Yeah, yep. we, you know, we try to keep it a little flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we try to let it come in with where it's naturally coming in. I mean, of course, we're always, you know, looking at what's happening in the industry and staying involved in all that. But I think it's like, sometimes it does come from an ingredient, like something uh, that, you know, Joe and I like to travel to raw manufacturer and ingredient shows across the, the world when we can um, and in the US. So sometimes it's meeting with people there. Sometimes it's something uh, more from the wellness side that we're really excited about. Um, something from our team that comes in and definitely listening to the community. Like, what are they asking for? What have they seen? Is there something that we can improve on? Um, so we kind of try to listen to all those things at the same time and just like follow the, the real inspiration. Cause if we stick to like, if I if we feel like we just stick, like this is the only way we do it, mm. then, you know, you can't let that magic happen. And the little bit of magic at any moment is like the most important thing. On the growth of the business, December 2021 saw L'Oreal finalize their acquisition of the brand, which is 
beyond exciting. What can you share about that acquisition and what it means for the brand? I mean, yeah, it was you know super exciting. We were it's something that when we take a step back, we're like, wow, I can't believe we did this. And even like our grand, if our grandma was alive, she'd be like blown away. And mm. so I think for us, it's just like such a cool, it's a family accomplishment being in the beauty industry this long to be like, wow, we're one of our, you know, we're part of L'Oreal now with this, with this brand. And, um, you know, it was an opportunity that's that, you know, we've talked to them, you know, over the years and they've, they've gotten to know us and watched us. Um, Carol Hamilton is who is the in charge of their m and for North America met us really early on and has always watched our brand and been a huge fan of it. And I think getting to know her over the years and, and, you know, you meet a lot of people and you're never really sure. We never built it thinking we were going to like all of a sudden be a part of L'Oreal in five and a half years. But as it comes, all of a sudden something happens and it's going, you're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And I think for us, it means that there's a much higher probability that you see you through the people in 30 or 40 years. And it really becomes everything that we hoped it would become and we dreamt it would become. Um, and that part for us is pretty exciting. And, and then them just knowing us um, again, Carol, knowing us for as long as she had, like we never knew them ahead of launching the people, but they've watched us grow and seen everything we've done. They've been very, whether or not we even knew it, they were watching us. So they really know who we are and they believe in what we do. And I think you have those concerns about what will happen to your brand, but them knowing who we are, wanting us to continue our mission is, is makes us feel good and excited about the next steps. Well, I think you've summed it up because if they've had their eye on what you're doing since launch, which really is not that long ago, they obviously understand and respect what those brand pillars are. So, you know, why yeah. change it? It's resources. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, there was a lot of alignment in sort of like the focus of like the pillars of both of our brands, both these mm. people and L'Oreal, you know, focus on product, a focus on people and a focus on the planet. And so we're a big part of bringing those initiatives to life. It's exciting. You have both been a part of the beauty industry for really your whole lives and you've sat at the helm of your own brand since its launch in 2015. Over the last, let's say the last few years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry? It's a really good question. Yeah. I know. I was like, how long? What? Have, I was like, I was kind of thinking, like, how much experience do we have, Joe? Do we go back? Do we say like we've been doing this since we were three? Like when we put our? Like, do we count like how many, three? How many like, yeah, like, I'm counting I'm just, it. Okay, I'm gonna count that. I like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is just how fast things are changing. You know, if you look five or ten years ago to today, I mean, it's the social conversation, the education, the content speed you know at which we're all like learning and 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 watching and seeing i think that's just driving things faster quicker than ever so something that maybe took a year if you started to see something a trend happen or something was moving and changing what was maybe two years like could happen in three to six months now you know just as like a high level thought so that's definitely something that we feel and see and what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the coming few years? I, I think the the change we're already seeing and we'll continue to see is just transparency. Yeah. Um, you know, transparency yeah. in your products, transparency in your your values as a brand more than anything. Um, I think that's the biggest, the number one difference to where, um, you know, three, five years ago, you wouldn't have seen that. And it's just not only transparency, but like collaborative transparency amongst brands and organizations to do it right. So that's not about like who has the inside track to whatever, being more sustainable or being more this or being more that it's more about just like, 
you know, you buy the product that you believe in and that it's not because, you know, of anything else you believe in the brand and that mission. It's not about like, you know, anything. So I think that's where it's, to me, it's where it's mm-hmm. going. My final question, what is next for youth to the people? Oh, I mean, got a, you know, an exciting new launch uh, product that we're working on. That's still, uh, was it a few months away? Yes. Yeah. If you know, we so just launched see- our, our Red Now product uh, here in the U.S. a couple weeks ago. I think it's coming any moment to, to you all. Um, and But yeah, next product launch coming in July. June, July, and very June eighth, and I'll show you for right now. Thank you. Um, so Thank yeah, you. but a product past that here in the U.S., which will very shortly after launch in Australia. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a big one. And then uh, definitely now that we have our new friends in the room, just really figuring out some of our next steps um, to grow the brand internationally, and then really like pick up a few key markets where we know our community is asking for it, and how do we get it there and do it the right way? Oh, and we will be. We're working on our very first retail store, which will be in the Arts Ooh. District, uh, which is yeah where our, our headquarters is. So we are designing that, building that out. That'll be our first physical experience of Youth of the People. And then from there, uh, the plan is to start to bring those to, to more areas in the world. So that's super exciting. That was Greg Gonzalez and Joe Ploys, founders of Youth to the People, which you can find on Instagram at Youth to the People. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.